there is an opportunity for people to ask questions of their financial advisors during their marriage and utilize their financial advisors to make better choices in this regard over the course of their marriage, whether they have a prenuptial agreement or not. Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Five million people are expected to get married in the U.S. this year, and 10% of couples get engaged on Valentine's Day. Well, that's a lot of matrimony. And while you'd be great to have insurance for assets such as diamond rings that you would receive, there also is an insurance that you can get on one of the most important assets, your marriage and your finances. What are we talking about? We're talking about prenups. And today, our special guest, Morgan Mouché, who is a partner at Blank Rome's Matrimonial and Family Law Practice, is here to talk about the things you need to know and how to protect yourself using a prenup and whether or not a prenup is right for you. Morgan has worked for many years in this area. And in 2022, named one of the notable diverse leaders in law by Crane's New York business, underscoring her excellent results for clients and longstanding commitment to advancing diversity in the legal profession. Her list of accomplishments are truly unmatched. She was listed in the 2023 edition of Best Lawyers in America for Family Law in New York, 2020, a rising star by New York Law Journal, and also been named New York Metro Rising Star in Family Law by Super Lawyers in 2014, again in 2017, all the way through 2020. We are excited to have Morgan here to give us the lowdown, the information you need to make sure that you are protected both during as well as after your divorce. So without further ado, please help me welcome our special guest today, Morgan Mouche. Morgan, it's great to have you here. So you are prenup lady, and I know you're known for many other things than just that, but how did you get interested in this? You know, it's not everybody that's so passionate about prenups. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Stacey. It's such a pleasure to talk with you today, and I so appreciate the opportunity. Well, I will say I very much fell into matrimonial practice and therefore fell into my passion for prenuptial agreements. I did not have any concept of doing matrimonial work when I went to law school, but was first exposed to it when I was a summer associate at Blank Rome, which is the firm where I still practice today. And I really didn't know anything about prenups. At the time, it was I would say maybe considered to be more of like a naughty thing or something only for celebrities, something that was uh, a big turnoff for people, especially in the media. 
And as I learned more and more about matrimonial practice and more about the practical ways that prenups can be utilized by families, I find it to be a very useful way for people to order their finances and honestly to have very necessary conversations with their fiance before they get married. Yeah, And that yep. doesn't mean that everyone needs to have a prenuptial agreement. Not everyone needs a prenuptial agreement. Not everyone wants a prenuptial agreement. And that's fine too. But if you go down that road, you should understand and work with the professionals in your life to understand the implications of decisions that you make throughout your marriage. So Mm -hmm. every person decides what they want to do and how they want to live their life and spend their money. And that's great. But everyone should do it with knowledge and some foresight. Yeah, it's definitely key. And I love how you talk about prenups being a tool to help couples start to talk about money. And I think back to when I was dating my husband. It's interesting because money was kind of a taboo subject. I knew he made more than I did, but I didn't know if he had school loans or if he had credit card debt, or if he was saving in his 401k. And it was actually through, it's called marriage encounters. So we tried to get married in the Catholic church. I was Catholic at the time. And long story short, we went through the whole marriage encounters through the Catholic program. And we ended up having to use an Episcopalian priest. I'll explain that down the line of what Mm -hmm. happened. But one of the best things that could have happened to us thinking that we were going to get married in the Catholic Church was the program where through marriage encounters, you are talking about things that you never thought you would talk about. Things like if you can't have children, what do each of you feel about adoption? How do you feel about that? Or surrogate? Things that my word, Morgan, we had never thought about. Well, one of them was doing a balance sheet with all your assets and liabilities and then also income and sharing it with each other. And I will tell you, Morgan, I was shocked because here's this man, very smart man, (laughs) who made, based on that, three times more than I did. And the amount that I had in my 401k was more than him. And Mm -hmm. I do have to say, I gave myself a little bit of pat on the back, but I also then had a really big conversation of like, hey, you're marrying someone where financial security is very important for me. And it really was key for us to have that conversation because for him, and he will admit this, if he has a dollar, he will spend two. If I have a dollar, I try to (laughs) save two, which is near impossible, but somehow I try it. And so we came from very different money backgrounds, money philosophies, and it was something that we had to really, quite frankly, work through. And the challenge is that a lot of couples are never forced to really look at the money conversation of where they each are, and a prenup requires it. There's no other way. That's full on one of the best ways to really get a clear picture. And I do have to say, couples who are on the same page financially tend to really be happily ever after. Do you see that as well? They do much better. And I would say, not only is it important, as you just described, you know, knowing what is it that we each have, because whatever you end up with is a symptom of both the way that maybe you grew up with money, your priorities and how you live each day. Like you said, are you saving $2 for every dollar or are you spending $2 for every dollar? But just as important, I think, and what is 
the crux of a conversation about prenuptial agreements is how do both of you view your relationship, your marriage from a financial perspective? And when I talk to couples about prenups and when I talk to couples about divorce or clients about divorce, what I explain is that New York, where I practice, sees your marriage as a financial partnership, Uh regardless of who is earning the dollars. So people really need to understand that when they're getting married and understand what that means. So, you know, I'm sure in your work and I see very often, we see that that the person who might be earning more in income feels that they have maybe a higher claim to the uh-huh. money in the bank account. And the truth is, is depending on the circumstances of your marriage, that could be an entirely false assumption based yeah. on New York State's view of a marital partnership being contributions by both parties. And so I find that the clients having a conversation in the midst of a prenup about do you view the money that you earn and the money you'll earn the day after we get married and 20 years into our marriage as your money or do you see it as our money and that can really be the basis for a very strong marital relationship or set the scene for what's going to be very difficult for them to work through yeah and i've seen far too many situations where there's actually two standards of living. There's the moneyed spouse's standard of living in the marriage and the non-moneyed spouse's. And it creates a lot of conflict. And how does the non-moneyed spouse, and especially if you're, you know, like for me, I'm going into my marriage and he's earning three times as much as I'm earning. This isn't what I did, but what if I had decided that I wanted to stay home be with the kids and financially, we decided it made sense. What could I have done with a prenup to protect me? Because essentially, I'm giving up my career. And even though I'm earning less, my prospects for when I get back into the workforce are going to be even worse and more difficult to regain the ground that I lose when I'm, you know, essentially making my career taking care of the kids and running the house and and making that all work well. So in a prenup, and this is so important, Stacey, because people often think of prenups as solely protecting the person getting married who has all of the assets. But if you have a good lawyer and you are not afraid in the negotiation of that prenuptial agreement to stand firm for what you think you will really need, then you can use as what we call the non-moneyed spouse or the person who has less in separate property and maybe the person who is anticipated would stay home with children or has a lower earning capacity can use a prenup to protect themselves. And so the way we do that can be creative. So the first way is to ensure that marital property, as you've defined it in the prenuptial agreement, and marital property is essentially the assets that are acquired during your marriage that are subject to division in a divorce, as opposed to separate property, which is property that by its very nature is not divisible in a divorce. When I refer to those terms in this conversation, that's what I'm referring to. So for marital property, you can, and it's important to determine that marital property would be divided on an equal basis between both the moneyed spouse and the non-moneyed spouse. 
in certain circumstances, I have seen some agreements say that, for example, a spouse who has less in separate property would get even more than 50%, but that is very rare, Mm -hmm. but it is possible. So ensuring that you would receive an equal amount of the assets acquired during the marriage is very important. Another important consideration is how are you defining marital property? And again, as we have already talked about a little bit, making sure that you are protecting income streams that would otherwise be marital property in your prenup so that there aren't big chunks of assets that will be by very definition separate. So if, for example, the moneyed spouse has a business and they are anticipated to continue working in that business actively throughout the marriage, there are two parts of that business that could be marital property. That's both the income that they earn Mm -hmm. as a result of their active services in the business, and then an increase in value of the business itself as an asset. And very often that's the subject of intense negotiations in the midst of a prenuptial agreement in terms of what piece of that will be separate, meaning not divisible at all in a divorce, and what piece of that will be marital. Mm -hmm. So protecting your actual percentage of marital property perhaps guaranteeing you certain payouts after a length of time of the marriage, preserving your right to maintenance, which is what we call alimony in the state of New York, all can be ways that a non-moneyed spouse can be protected. Also in terms of real estate, guaranteeing that you would, for example, keep a house at the end of the day if there were a divorce or without offset or ensuring that You have some kind of credit to be able to purchase a new house separate from your equitable distribution rights. There are lots of ways that lawyers are creative to make sure that people are protected. I know we've talked a little bit about for that non-moneyed spouse, especially if they're giving up their career, but what about for either of them who might be coming to the marriage with assets? I mean, the average age of marriage is much older than it was 20, 30 years ago. And so before, you often saw two people partnering and getting married who had very little in the assets. But we have very different situations now where there's, you know, second marriages or there's been maybe even 20 years in a career of accumulating assets. Can a prenup be used also for protecting those types of assets? Yes. And that is very much, I would call the stereotypical situation where a person Mm -hmm. can truly benefit from a prenuptial agreement. And while someone might say, so all of my assets that I have before I get married are already separate property under the law of the state where I live. So why do I need a prenup? And the answer to that is, while your assets may be separate, as of the date of your marriage, the devil's really in the details about protecting the proceeds of sale of those assets, the reinvestment of those assets. And that's where you come in, right, Stacey? So when people are married and they have a prenup or they don't, what they do with their money while they're married really is where you get the value of your prenup or you essentially make the whole negotiation of your prenup less than valuable because you've actually muddied the waters so much during your marriage that now you've lost a lot of that value. That's something that I'm very interested in, especially to talk about with you, because I'm sure as a financial planner and a CDFA, you see 
just like we see divorce lawyers at the end of the day, people have either taken advantage of the protections that they negotiated for in their prenups, or they have really muddied the waters. Yeah. I will talk about a woman I spoke to yesterday who is on the ladder, muddied the waters, got married when she was 41, 15 year marriage and came to the marriage with a lot of assets. He came to the marriage with debt. Now she required him to pay off all the debt before they got married, which I was like, you go. But during the marriage, sold separate property house, transferred the proceeds into the joint bank account, then essentially muddying the waters of separate property now going into a joint bank account. And was that really a gift to her spouse? Is it you know, the spouse is saying, yes, it was a gift. You meant that as a gift. She's saying, no, I, I did not. She also had a really large 401k. And what she had done is instead of after leaving an employer and rolling it to an IRA, she just kept on rolling it back into 401ks and actually did that throughout the marriage so that the burden of proof is now on her to prove what the value of her 401k was when they got married. And then the growth on those assets, what was that versus the new contributions? And I was speaking to her and understandably, Morgan, she was unbelievably overwhelmed with all the amount of work that this was going to cause. And I don't know if I was her favorite person either because this was not good news for her. And at that point, I told her, you need to get a very good lawyer that understands these unique complexities and can advise you because the amount of assets they have together in the marriage actually equal what she came to the marriage with. Mm. She has become the breadwinning part of the partnership and he has decided to, once they got married, give up his career. So she's been supporting him all these years. There's no children or anything like that, but wow. And now she's also in the place where she is being told, understandably, that she may need to be paying spousal support or alimony to him, which is another piece that she was really struggling with because she feels like I've done my duty. I've supported him our entire marriage. And now I need to do that post-marriage. But it could be the shoe on the other foot, right? And that's right. It could be completely it's the more normal of what he's bringing in the X, Y, Z and she's at home. But yeah, no one sits you down when you're getting married and says, after the baby shower, keep everything separate. Don't co-mingle money. Who's going to have that conversation? I mean, I will. I'm happy to in a really nice way, but like, that's not normal. Most people have no clue. Even gifts from, you know, for example, giving a gift from the parents to, let's say, their daughter, written out to their joint account to both of their names. And they may not realize that that $100,000 gift now is $50,000 to her and $50,000 to him when they really just meant that it was for her. And all of a sudden, now the portion of that is, well, it's now marital property. It's crazy. Your statement of who is really going to do that, right? Who is really going to pick up the phone and call a family lawyer when they're making major life decisions Yeah, to understand, you know, if they are putting separate property or marital property assets at risk. And the reality is, is that 
almost no one does that. Mm-hmm. But there is an opportunity for people to ask questions of their financial advisors during their marriage and utilize their financial advisors to make better choices in this regard over the course of their marriage, whether they have a prenuptial agreement or not. And I see people like yourself sitting in such a unique position to help people avoid these mistakes, or even if they decide that that's the way they want to go, they've made a choice with knowledge, with information that's valuable. And so I sounds strange, but I am somewhat passionate about working with financial advisors to make sure that they understand the nuances of these issues from a matrimonial perspective, because they are much more likely to be speaking with their clients on a regular basis throughout their marriage and helping them to understand the choices that are being made, not from a legal advice perspective, but just from a practical perspective. So just like the woman who you just described, which while you were talking, I was shaking my head because it's kind of the stereotypical, unfortunate scenario where had she known that when she sold her house and placed that check in a joint account that she was making a major decision, it would have been just as easy for her financial advisor to tell her at the time well, this house was held in your sole name. You owned it before you were married. Maybe we just open a new high interest account where we're going to deposit that until you decide what you're going to do. Or if you were going to invest it, we'll open a new brokerage account and invest it there. And I think in terms of practical advice for people to be thinking about, when you're getting married, you should open new accounts. You should open new checking account, a new savings account, a new brokerage account. That is my advice almost always to my clients who have significant separate property holdings or significant income so that they can now separate the money that's coming in that's marital, which is the dollar you've earned after you, the day you got married in most circumstances is marital property from money that you've had before. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you have to make a mess of your automatic payments, but just think practically about it and move your money so that you're not mixing it together. That concept is usually pretty easy for people to keep in mind, not to mix your money. And talk to your financial advisor about how to do that practically. Yeah, And there are just a few things that people can do, again, whether they have a prenuptial agreement or not at the time of their marriage to avoid some of the biggest pitfalls in terms of mixing their assets and in terms of protecting themselves. So Morgan, can you also use a prenup to protect your children from a previous marriage in the event of your death? And if so, what would that look like? So I know you can't use a prenup to determine child support. Correct. But from the perspective of I have children from a previous marriage, I want to make sure that upon my death that I am able to provide for them as well as my new spouse. What would that look like? So that's something that we encounter very commonly in preparing prenuptial agreements. For example, second marriages for folks. Mm -hmm. And in a prenuptial agreement, 
just like the determination of separate property and marital property, you can also include various waivers and alternate estate planning vehicles so that you exempt your estate out from whatever the statutory requirements are of the state where you live. In each state, spouses have a certain entitlement to a deceased spouse's assets upon their death. And in New York, that protection is whether or not you have a will or if you don't. So in either scenario, if you are married, when you pass away, your spouse is entitled to a disproportionate share of your estate. And in a prenuptial agreement, you can waive that entitlement. And you can basically say, whatever is in my estate plan is going to govern the day as to the division of my assets. And those would can be reciprocal so that both of you have independent control over your estate planning over the course of your marriage. Now, that doesn't mean that you're precluded from leaving assets to your spouse. You absolutely are entitled to do that. However, you will be able to use, let's say, a scalpel as opposed to a hatchet to determine exactly which assets you want to leave to your children. Perhaps you want to leave assets in a trust for your children. Perhaps you have a child with special needs or a sibling who you need to care for, and it gives you the flexibility of doing that. And it's important to consider those waivers and ideally obtain those waivers before you're married. Because once you are married, it's much more difficult to get the type of formal waivers, meaning acknowledged and notarized waivers from your spouse regarding, for example, pension interests and things of that nature, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. you can get those waivers in your prenuptial agreement and make clear to your spouse that it's not that you're going to leave them out, but you need to have the flexibility to care for your children or to care for family members. Yeah. And if there is a situation where in that prenup, you are leaving 100% of your assets to your children and essentially disinheriting your spouse, carving your spouse out, is that something that can happen? Because I know that there, for some states, I think New York, where you have a, it's a one-third spousal election. If you try to disinherit your spouse, at least a third of the assets would eventually go to them. Can you not have to follow that rule using a prenup? Or is that one of you those do, things where talk to a lawyer and they'll well they'll give you the ins and outs? Speak, you can waive that right. Both parties can waive that right in a prenuptial agreement. So the answer to your question is yes, you can disinherit your spouse through a prenuptial agreement, which sounds rather unpleasant. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that leaving a one-third entitlement to your spouse of all your assets, to be clear, not just marital property, but separate property and marital property usually does not comport with what a person intends to do in any event. They either want to leave specific assets to their spouse and other assets to other family members or children. And often when you're signing a prenuptial agreement, you may not have the children that you anticipate having yet. And you really don't know what the future is going to hold. So it's very common for people to waive their right to their one-third share, which is called a testamentary share in New York, or your intestate share if you don't have a will, your right of election in New York. That is very common because people work together with their estate planning attorneys and their financial planners to put together an estate plan that makes sense for them over the course of their marriage, as opposed to being beholden to the one-third. 
that, for example, New York State sets. So I know we're coming to time, but I have one more question because I know that there's a good number of women that are listening right now, Morgan. I'm not going to swear, but they're swearing in their head and they're swearing in their head right now because either they've not done a prenup and they've realized based on our conversation that they really need that to protect them because of whether they're staying at home, whatever it might be, or they've signed a prenup that they're realizing the circumstances of the financial part of their marriage no longer is what they would think of as fair or equal. What can they do, Morgan? So I'll say there are micro things they can do and macro things they can do. So in terms of micro, try to get as much visibility into the finances of your marriage as you Mm -hmm. can. And I know that that's very difficult sometimes for some people. But if you don't have awareness and you could, please go try to understand better what are the sources of income? How much is it? Where is the money going? So that you can have so that you can have more confidence to know what your resources actually are. And that's mm-hmm. whether you are planning for a divorce or not. It's empowering to have the data. And in terms of other things you can do, you can negotiate the terms of a new agreement with your spouse in New York postnuptial agreements, which are agreements that are entered into between spouses after the date of your marriage, are generally enforceable. However, they have to be entered into under specific circumstances. So if you think that you are in a position where you can speak to your spouse and you can express to them what it is that you need to feel more secure, or if, for example, there's a major transaction coming up in your marriage, the purchase of a new house, paying off major debt, investing in a new opportunity, and you want to be sure that you are protected with respect to that transaction, you can have a lawyer help you prepare. Mm -hmm. It could be a limited document or a more expansive document that protects you going forward or protects you with relation to that one transaction. But the key here, and if they're listening to this, they're doing the right thing, which is informing themselves about their options. The key is to speak with someone about the specifics of your situation, because by the time you speak to a divorce lawyer, we are never going to convince you to do something that you were not otherwise ready to do. And I think people who are, are not ready to get divorced, you can still call a lawyer and get the benefit of some information so you can make a reasoned decision for yourself about if and when that's appropriate for you. Yeah. And if you are ready to move forward or you feel that you cannot stay in the marriage without having additional protections, then you should understand how you can get those protections and make sure that they're enforceable. Writing an agreement on a napkin, that's not going to cut it. So you really need to make sure that you're protecting yourself going forward if you feel that you have not been able to do so already. Mm -hmm. We've also had quite a few clients who have done post-nups because there has been a breach of trust, a breakdown in the marriage. And for her, it's important to put that in place, knowing that she's going to be more financially protected by continuing to stay. And we've had situations where 
nothing's going to surprise you, Morgan. You've heard more stories than <laughs> most people. It's very um, difficult to surprise us. Yeah, Shock. but child out of wedlock, right? Or finding a separate family that someone had a separate family that you didn't know about, or you know, some type of financial infidelity, a gambling habit, and what are the protections we can put in place for me if you relapse again, whatever that might be. I think that these are just such important tools and that they don't have to be unromantic. I know that no one's thinking beautiful little hearts right now, but getting on the same page of talking about your finances is really key. But Morgan, how do our listeners reach out to you and can you share the, what states you practice in as well as the types of clients you work with? Sure. So I have a practice that is focused mostly on high net worth individuals. I practice in New York, primarily in New York City, and I can be reached through my website at www.blankrome.com. And you could also find me on LinkedIn. And I would be happy to speak with people. I think it's the most important thing you can do is to find a lawyer who you think is acting as a counselor to you and who matches the tone and goals that you are seeking to achieve in your representation, whether that's in a prenuptial agreement, a postnuptial agreement, or in a divorce. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And for all of you listening, we'll make sure that we include the website and contact information from Morgan so that you can reach out to her to possibly engage her or, or have questions. You know, this is not necessarily an easy topic that's understandable. Often there are a lot of unique implications based on everyone's unique situation. But thank you for being here, Morgan. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. It was fantastic to have you all listen in, as well as have our special guest, Morgan Mouché. And I didn't forget about my promise to you. So why couldn't my husband and I get married in the Catholic Church? Well, it turns out that because we had chosen a non-denominational church, that the Catholic Archbishop ultimately ended up not approving our marriage and let us know about two weeks before our wedding date. Well, that was definitely not something that we expected. And I think it goes to show that there are things in life that happen that we don't expect. And a prenup or a postnup can help us protect and be that essential insurance policy, making sure that you are going to leave your marriage financially secure. It actually helps save a lot of headaches in the future. And experts agree it's an important investment in any romantic relationship. If you have questions about your finances or want a second opinion about what your settlement may or may not look like and what that can be for you financially 5, 10, 20 years, please feel free to reach out to me at stacy at francisfinancial.com. Our information is in the show notes. And you can also visit that website, www.francisfinancial.com. We have fantastic resources for you, blogs, a white papers, everything that you could possibly need to know about your finances to make sure you're making good decisions both during your marriage as well as after. Thank you for joining us here at Financially Ever After, and I'll see you in two weeks.